0: 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. One verse here tonight. You know, we were once a church of very small children, a lot of young children at one time. And we do have a lot of young children still. But um, our older children are growing up very rapidly. And... uh, in the next few months, I have several things on my heart that God uh, has placed there to preach and to deal with uh, regarding the older children, some of the challenges. You know, I am thankful, at least as the pastor, that I have basically the oldest children or um, I'm going through that before others are going through it. And uh, that way, at least I have some experience with it. And uh, there's definitely experience. I mean, you can learn Something by going through something. Amen. And I have learned some things. Amen. And, uh, so, uh, there's some things that I do that God have, has laid on my heart to share with us, to warn us about, to instruct us, uh, about. And uh, we're going to deal with that over the next couple of months, uh, here and there as God leads me to preach and to teach. But, uh, here tonight in the next two services, Lord willing, I want to address the topic of young men and young women growing into biblical adulthood, maturing, amen, uh, into biblical men. That's what we aspire, amen, to raise is biblical men and uh, biblical women, amen. So tonight just uh, we'll single out the young men, and then Sunday morning, Lord willing, we'll talk to the young ladies uh, and the parents of these young men and young ladies But we'll read this one verse out of 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 12. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Now that's the Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Ghost, to his young understudy, Timothy. And he is admonishing him and exhorting him to be an example to believers. I want you young people, young you young men, to think about that for a moment. The Spirit of God wants you to be an example. The Spirit of God wants you to be an example. To have a testimony that will provoke others to pursue the Lord Jesus Christ. I thought tonight a checklist for young men preparing for life. Amen. Father, in Jesus' name, help me here tonight. Father, I need your spirit. Lord, I would speak, Lord, as under the leadership of the Holy Ghost, as the oracles of God. I need you, Father. Anoint me. I pray for the anointing, Lord, that makes the word of God effectual, anointing to hear, anointing to speak that you would convict of sin, that you would grant faith, that you would call these young men to a deeper consecration, Father. I ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. You know, we live in a culture that has effeminized young men. And when I use that term, effeminized, I don't merely mean the undermining of male characteristics in general, though indeed, we see that happening everywhere. I've never seen so many openly effeminate young men. You go through the drive through in some of these restaurants, you're afraid to eat the food, amen, because... Uh, You know, when I was uh, growing up, uh, somebody might have been a sissy, but they didn't uh, boast about it or promote it, amen. And uh, today it seems like uh, it's celebrated to be effeminate, amen, to just be void, to be a young man and to be void of any real male uh, characteristics. But more specifically, when I use the term effeminized, I mean that our society has devalued and even shunned the moral courage and fortitude that's essential in fulfilling the role as a biblical man. Amen. It takes moral courage and moral strength. Amen. And spiritual fortitude to be a man of God. Amen. And you and I, as men, we must embrace our call. Amen. To follow Jesus. Hence, the vast majority of young men today, even if they do convert to Christianity, are ill equipped to fulfill their God ordained role as men. You know, you read the old uh, missionary journals of the uh, missionaries that were sent to these pagan cultures, and uh, they, you know, record in there how people would get born again out of those uh, cultures of extreme paganism. And the people were in such a moral hole. I mean, it was, uh, you know, they they did get right with God, but they had to teach him everything. Amen. To put clothes on, how to eat with the four, gender role. I mean, every they just had everything about what they thought. Every notion that they had was antichrist and so contrary and opposite to uh, Christianity. And that's where we're at today. Amen. We're in such a paganized culture, amen, they've got to pull the spike out. Of their tongue, amen, they're pierced and tattooed head to foot, amen, they don't know, they're so confused, they can't figure out whether they're a little boy or a little girl, amen, and someone, they get born again, amen, and they have to be taught and discipled the very elementary things that they should have learned at home, amen, that they should have learned at home. Even for those reared in the church today, young men are rarely encouraged to be leaders. Leaders in their homes, in their churches, and in society in general. In our text, note how the Apostle Paul, by the Holy Ghost, encourages young Timothy, and he was a young man. He was a young Let no man despise thy youth, even though you are a young man. Amen. Don't let that be an excuse. Don't that let that be a justification for a low, lower level or a lower experience of spirituality. Amen. But God expects for you to be an example. He has called you. Amen. To do so. He encourages Timothy to be assertive in the process of his spiritual maturity. To be, as it were, a biblical example to other believers despite his youth. Amen. You know, the Holy Ghost here tonight, young men, those of you who are growing into uh, 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 adulthood, to seek to be a young man with a testimony, amen, that is brilliant and bright and illuminating and so, so much so that you would provoke others, amen, that you would be an individual that would seek the Lord Jesus Christ, that would know the Word of God, that you would allow, amen, your cup to run an over that you could have an overflow to give to somebody else instead of you being always someone that needs to be given to. And all that's the great need in the church is to have people that have something to give, something to promote. You see in this house, everyone's just, just barely treading water. And so you have a few people, amen, that have an overflow. They could come and bring a a cup of, you know, water to a thirsty soul, amen. But listen to me, God has called us to have an abundance in the Spirit that we can minister. If you don't have, you cannot give. I said if you don't have anything to give, then you've got nothing to give. And you're to have an overflow of the Lord Jesus Christ. Tonight, for the benefit of both the parents of young men and the young men here themselves, I'm going to provide us with a biblical checklist. And this checklist, of course, is not meant to be understood as exhaustive. Nevertheless, it provides ten biblical principles, foundational moral principles, Absolutely indispensable to sound character and growing into full spiritual manhood. Amen. These are biblical truths that you as a young man, you must embrace and love. If you do not embrace these truths, and you do not love these truths with all of your heart, then you may grow 25, 30, 35, 40 years old, but you will never come to true biblical manhood. Amen. You must embrace what God has called you to. Indeed, as the psalmist wrote, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according. To thy word, amen, you can have an opportunity to take heed to the Word of God here tonight. this Word of God checklist, if you will, if it's rightly applied, will inform you if indeed you are. Entering in to the call, embracing the responsibilities as a young man whom God has called to grow up in Jesus. Amen. If you will apply this checklist, amen, you will see if indeed you are endeavoring to be an example to the believers. Amen. An example in what? In word. God wants you to be an example. There's someone who knows the Bible. There's a young man who knows the Word of God from cover to cover. There's a young man who can quote the Scriptures. There's a young man who can expound upon the truths of the Word of God. In conversation, that word conversation, as you know, it means the totality of your lifestyle that you would be an example in the way that you live the you know practical holiness moment by moment day by day in charity amen that you be an example in love a shining example where other people amen who would walk selfishly would be convicted by your love and your charity in spirit in faith and purity that's a high calling i said that's a high calling amen this checklist here, amen, it is the Word of God. Amen, let's hear what God has to say to us here, young men, and make application so that God can help us to be what He's called us to be. First of all, young man, you must be sober-minded and possess a sound testimony. Titus 2, 6-8, through we read it this morning. Young men, likewise, exhort to be sober-minded. In all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works. In doctrine, showing uncorruptness. Do you have sound doctrine, young men? Think about it. God, God is expecting you. I, I really don't You know, know too much theology. I don't know too much di- uh, Listen to me. You need to know the doctrine of the Word of God. Gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. So first of all, you have to be sober-minded. There's other things that are communicated in this passage. But uh, the two primary things that I have uh, selected out of this is to be sober-minded and to possess a sound testimony, which really covers all of it. To be sober-minded is to possess... A sound and regenerate mind to think rightly, amen, to allow that mind that was in the in Christ Jesus to be in you, to think spiritually mature, to think according to the Word of God, to allow the Scriptures to govern your thought life and your decision making. One of the distinguishing marks between childhood and adulthood is the tendency of children toward what? foolishness foolishness is bound in the heart of a child now foolishness could just be summed up as to think unscripturally amen to be silly to be light amen to be uh, basically a uh, wasteful in your thought life amen to be unscriptural in your decision making and one of the things that's why children need oversight because amen they will make foolish decisions they don't have a sound mind that has to be developed They have to be trained. They have to be reared up. They have to be born again. Amen. But foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. Amen. What uh, What's the answer for foolishness? But the rod, amen, the rod of correction shall drive it far from him now young men if you've taken correction and I realize this is speaking I believe there's two applications here there's the natural application which of course has a spiritual implication in other words we believe spanking or biblical discipline has of course it is spiritual it's not just something natural but we know that this uh, is teaching us that we are to discipline our children literally with the rod but likewise in the spirit that new creature in Christ amen that uh, a believer that comes to the Lord he has to to, uh, you know, have a hard posture of receiving correction. Amen. And if that is the hope to be delivered from foolishness, the only hope for you to grow up in Jesus Christ is for you to take correction. If you don't take correction, you're not going to be sober-minded. As long as any male is given to foolishness and silliness, As long as any young man, amen, is looking more to his childhood or he levitates more toward remaining a child, amen, than becoming a man, he reveals that he is unwilling to take the responsibility as a God-called man. First Corinthians, and listen to me, you're 15, 16, 17, really, you're 12. What was Jesus doing when he was 12? Amen. You should be looking toward manhood, and not, you know, in the world. I, I want to be big so I can drive a big truck. I, I want to be big so I can have, a, you know, I, I can eat what I want. I, I can eat a bowl of ice cream after dinner. Uh, not mommy's not going to tell me what I've got to eat. That's not the right motivation. That's a worldly, self-centered motivation. Amen. To grow up. But you ought to have a desire, a godly desire, to be a man of God. And to put, amen, the childish things behind you. And set your sight on growing up in Jesus that you can be a blessing in the kingdom of God. The apostle Paul said in First Corinthians 13 and 11, When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. You're not going to catch manhood like you catch the flu. Don't be deceived. You're not just one day. Oh, I'm a man now. No, no. You're going to have to choose, amen, to embrace manhood. And listen to me. I've met a lot of 40-year-old men that are not really biblical men. They're still, amen, you know, uh, choosing the child, you know, being irresponsible, refusing, amen, to embrace what God has called them to embrace. Amen, listen to me. It's a lot e- lot easier, a lot more carefree, uh, you know, just to be a child or to be childlike and not really take, you know, any responsibility upon yourself. Amen. And I tell you, there's a great spiritual price that comes with that. First of all, most people that have that men- mentality end up going to Hell. But not only that, you're never gonna be a blessing. You know, when there's a real need, you don't, you know, call them one of these babies out here. Somebody got a flat tire. I mean, what, think about it. is there any, is anybody, who, who, who's got a baby here? Uh, uh, Jessica's got a baby and the, and the Christophersons have a baby. And, uh, you know, when there's a real, any kind of, uh, any kind of need that we have, any kind, any, any think about it. Nobody says, Sister Aaron, could you, can I have your baby for a moment? We need need. Men. Nobody does that. So, Sister Jessica, can we borrow your baby for a moment? So you could you know, solve some problems. No, no, that never happens. No, no. We don't we do call for babies because babies don't have anything to give. Amen. All they can do is be, you know, dependent on others. And you see, listen to me, if you choose to remain in childlikeness, and and I'm talking about uh, in a negative sense, to be childlike or to be uh, childish in the spirit, then you have nothing to give in the kingdom of God. Amen. Moving on. Amen. Living above reproach. Having a sound testimony. To live above reproach as a young man means that you must have a reputation which cannot be legitimately accused. In other words, you must live in such a way that even under the scrutiny of both your elders and your peers, Amen, you cannot be justly accused. This is in every facet of life. For example, Titus two and eight says that uh, a young man must have uh, sound speech that cannot be condemned. In other words, he is someone who has learned to allow the spirit of God to bridle his tongue. We know the Bible says that no man can bridle the tongue, but we know the God through God. Amen through Jesus, all things are what. All things are possible. Amen, and if that tongue is bridled, we know that the whole body. Amen, has come under. And the whole body is sanctified. So when you see an individual that has, you know, consecrated their speech unto the Lord, they're not a foolish rambler, someone who talks and talks and talks, someone who seeks to be the center of attention. This is to be childish. Now, granted, there may be occasions where uh, it's necessary that you speak, and you speak a lot. But certainly as being a young person, where uh, typically typically speaking, you're going to be around others who are older than yourself, Amen, then you need to take in consideration what the scriptures say. Of the multitude of words there wanteth not sin, but he that refraineth his lips is wise. Amen. Someone like this has learned to listen more than they talk. James one and nineteen, wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear. Slow to speak. This is true for everyone. But how much more for a young person? Amen. Number two, he must be a one-woman man. The next thing on the list, the checklist. He must be a one-woman man, 2 Timothy 2 and 22. Flee also youthful lust, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Even prior to marriage, young men should be demonstrating their willingness to save their heart for the one woman that God intends for them to marry. Amen. That should be your heart and that should be your desire. Amen. And you know, you've all heard the teaching about at least the way that we view it and we think it's biblical that Adam, amen, but was put to sleep. He wasn't so much seeking after a wife. Amen. Didn't even know what a wife was. Amen. Never had seen one. Never heard of one. Amen. When God saw that he had a need for a woman then God made him a woman. Amen. And when you have a need for a woman, amen, then God will wake you up and there'll be doors open. I'm not suggesting, amen, it's wrong to pray about it. You should be praying. But, you know, in your prayer, you know, when we pray about something, what we're doing is we're giving it to God. We're trusting God with it. So when you pray, amen, if that's something that is bothering you, constantly warring against you, when am I going to get married? I'm waiting. How long do I have to wait? Amen. you're not giving that to God. You pray and say, God, you know where I'm at. You know who I am. I trust you. You're God. I'm not. Amen. And I'm, I'm believing that whenever it's time, your time, that you are going to open the door. Prepare me. Amen. I believe those are the kind of prayers that can be prayed. Until God awakens you and, and uh, reveals to you. And reveals to your authority. Someone. Amen. Then listen. The best thing to do is concentrate. Amen. On serving the Lord Jesus Christ and remaining pure. Amen. If, as a young man, you desire to give your affections to as many females as possible, then those habits will not be easily broken. That's why we say dating, amen, is really practice for divorce. And it is, amen, utterly foolish and unscriptural, amen. You don't want to get into that. You don't want to to defile yourself emotionally. But you want to, uh, you know, reserve not only your intimacy, amen, physically, but emotionally for the one individual that God, amen, has ordained that you should marry. He should be resolved in his desire to be emotionally and physically pure until the day he marries his life partner. That should be your greatest concern because, listen to me, lots of people get married. Amen, multitudes and many, most people get married, but very few remain pure. So, you know, your your main concern, when am I going to get married? Most people get married. That is what you need to be worried about. What you need to be worried about is remaining pure when you do get married. Concentrate on that, because that's where most people falter. As we know, fornication, uncleanliness, filthy talk, ungodly imaginations, etc., and so forth, have no place in the Christian life. Ephesians 5, 3 through 5, but fornication and all uncleanliness are covetous Covetousness, let it not be once named among you, as become a saints. neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this ye know, that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man, who is an idolater, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Amen. Such behavior, amen, such uncleanliness is utterly forbidden in the kingdom of God. Now, with that said, it's no secret that's going to be the number one battle for the young man. Able to remain pure, to remain pure in your thought life. Amen. You are going to be buffeted, buffeted unmercifully on that ground. Amen. Most young men that I've spoken to, the experience of most men that I have spoken to, Amen. Particularly single men as Christians. Amen. They thought, well, if I can ever just get over this, I'm going to be like the apostle Paul. If I could just get past this one battle. Amen. Then, oh, it's going to be such, you know, uh, such, such, so easy when I get past it. Well, that's not really the case. There's other battles after that. Amen. Amen. But it is the great battle that you will face. Amen. And you are going to have to hunker down. You're going to have to keep your eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ. You are going to have to take captive every thought from the very beginning as the enemy comes in. Amen. To begin, you know, uh, even a seemingly an innocent thought. Something you, you, is so passive you're not even recognizing you're meditating upon it. You're going to have to learn to discipline your thought life. And guard your eye gate. Amen. And it is going to be a war. And should you fail in the battle, then rise up, repent. Amen, rise up, repent, refuse to be discouraged, refuse to be, because the devil, amen, he will try to tell you to give up a thousand times, amen, repent, rise up and fight again and you will survive to win the war, friend, you'll survive to win the war, amen, and listen to this, one of the best ways for a son to develop a pure heart and to be insulated from the temptation of the strange woman, now when we think of the strange woman, again, there's a natural, Application and a spiritual application, but in regards to the natural application, I believe there are many or various ways that we can be tempted. It's not just a been some heathen or uh, unbelieving girl that's uh, working behind the counter somewhere. It's the thought, the devil that comes in with the spirit of lust. One of the ways they've been to be insulated and to be protected is through submission to your parents. My son, keep thy father's commandment, and forsake not the law of thy mother. Bind them continually upon thy heart, and tie them about thy neck. When thou goest, it shall lead thee. When thou sleepest, it shall keep thee. When thou awakest it shall talk with thee. For the commandment is a lamp, and the law is light, and reproof is instruction, or the way of life, to keep thee from the evil woman, from the flattery of the tongue of a strange woman." Young men, as long, amen, as you are unmarried, you are to remain humbly submitted to your godly parents. Amen. Third on the checklist, amen, young men must exhibit self-control. First Corinthians 9 and 27, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway self-control temperance amen in other words as we know temperance is what a fruit of the spirit or when we say the fruit of the spirit we're basically or essentially saying it is an evidence of god by the holy ghost governing a life, amen, the fruit of the Spirit, that's all that it is, amen, it's evidence, amen, that God, by the Holy Ghost, is governing that life, where there's no fruit of the Spirit, it's impossible, amen, that the Holy Ghost, amen, is truly governing, or that men are being led by the Spirit of God, likewise, it's impossible for a person to be led by the Spirit, and not bear the fruit of the Spirit. If young men are truly followers of Christ, there should be an ever-increasing confirmation that they are indeed walking in the Spirit. This will be confirmed by self-control in body, in eye gate, in mouth gate, and through the thought life. There will be an ever-increasing gaining of victory, amen, in these grounds. And I'm not suggesting you put off any sin by and by, but I am suggesting, amen, as you grow in the things of God, Obviously, you walk in the Spirit and ye shall not fulfill what? The lusts of the flesh. A lack of self-control will result in sweep, sweeping poverty in the Spirit and broken relationships as long as you live. Amen. If you don't have self-control, establish discipline in your life. Amen. It is going to cost you dearly. One of the best remedies, amen, for a lack of self-control is to submit yourself, amen, resolve in yourself afresh to the Lord Jesus Christ and exercise biblical, amen, prayer, Bible study, and fasting. Those are spiritual disciplines. Amen. And if you will assert yourself, amen, and submit yourself to God afresh, that's not just the choice that you're going to read your Bible or you're going to attend to a specific time of prayer, amen, or uh, you're going to prescribe and resolve or pledge a few days of fasting. But rather, if you truly... Submit yourself to God in those things. And truly, with all of your heart, seek the Lord. Amen. You know, any lack that you have in your life, young man, the answer is not to grit your teeth so much. You have to see, amen, that there's a need. You have to admit, amen, that there is inadequacies, that I have a need, amen. But you need to admit that to God, (laughs) amen. You see, when you really see that you're hungry, then you will eat. But of a man that's not hungry, it doesn't matter how much you promote, amen, a good meal, amen, to that full soul, amen, uh, he loatheth the honeycomb, amen, to that bitter soul, amen, everything. Listen to me. If you're hungry, then you will want the things of God, amen, and hunger is nothing more than seeing that you have a need, amen. Fourthly, that young man must be respectable and well-behaved. First Timothy 5, 1 through 2, rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father, and the younger men as brethren, the elder women as mothers, the younger as sisters with all purity. See, there's an order. There's a way that you are to handle yourself in relationships. Young men should handle themselves in a principled and honorable way. Young men should not be rude or unseemly in any way, especially in their relationships with those of the household of faith. And you know, young people here have been taught this most of their life. But um, you know, you see this, there's such a lack of understanding on how what's appropriate, uh how to uh handle, you know, dealing with uh um, You know, women as a man and what have you, what's appropriate and what is inappropriate. Certainly, these young people raised in this environment should know that, eh, amen, that, uh, you know, you're not to be alone. With a, a woman. Amen. You're not to speak to, uh, you know, someone's, uh, an elder, whether it be a man or a woman, disrespectfully. Amen. There's a certain line you shouldn't cross. Amen. With an uh, an elder. Amen. There's a certain line among you as peers, uh, young uh, women and young uh, men that should never cross. Amen. Very, very separated from one another. That's one of the things that we're concerned about at the fellowships and what have you. That there's so little... uh you know, oversight. And there's young men and young women, you know, running around playing. That, that's something we don't believe in. And we're going to stop it, too. Amen? It's not wise at best. So uh, there's a, a, a right way, amen, to, to, uh, to relate to one another. Young men should respect others. Treat older men as fathers. Treat younger men as brothers, not a nuisance. You know, those Persinger boys used to come over and uh, they were, Victor Dan was what? 16, 15, 16. We first met him. Is that right? But you know, the next couple of years he was, and you know, he began to, you noticed he'd want to go out with the young boys when we first fellowship with their family. He wanted to play and what have you. And that was fine, but you know, as he fifteen, sixteen, he wanted to sit in with the men and listen to what was, you know, being he was he was embracing his manhood. But you know, at the same time, the little boys and some of my children, little bitty, they'd come and, you know, and they were climbing on him and trying to get him to do. And you know, he may not go out with someone, but he was kind to them. He treated them as brethren. Amen. He 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 understood that they were souls. Amen. And he responded properly to them. Just went, get away from me, you little runt. He didn't say something like that. Amen. He was sought to minister to them as much as possible. Now if you are a little runt, <laughs> That doesn't mean you young men should not be respectful of these older young men. Amen? And not be foolish. Now, those Persinger boys would tell them if they were foolish or not. You're being foolish, young man. Amen. But they treated them as brethren. Somebody say Amen. The best test to know if a young man has, a vic- has the victory in this area is to watch him with his siblings. Everyone can learn to treat guests properly. But lots of people let down their guard and their own family. If he won't treat his sisters in a respectful manner, then he's sure not to treat his wife in a respectful manner. You know, I didn't have any sisters growing up. So I don't know, what. and I was a devil, so I probably wouldn't have been a very good brother. But, you know, I somehow think, I can't imagine because I didn't have any sisters of not being protective, having a sense of protection over my sister. And, uh, you know, young men, if there's not that jealousy for the purity of, of those sisters that have been placed alongside you in that family, if there's not, you know, a jealousy for you to be somewhat protective, then you know what? You're going to make a lousy man. And if you won't be jealous for the purity and the jealous for the spirituality and the heart of your sister, then I'm not going to give you my daughter. Because you won't care for her either. Young men need to treat the younger as sisters with all purity. Fifthly, he should be able to teach. Hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me. The Apostle Paul is saying this to Timothy. In faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. Now, I know everybody's not called to preach, and everyone is not called to teach, and there is a distinction, amen, there is a gift, and there is a chasm, a great chasm between that, but let's not make, you know, any mistake here, everyone is going to have to teach somebody, amen, you got a wife, you got children, you're going to have to expound on the word of God, you're going to have to, it's really not that complicated anyway, amen, amen, but, you know, you should cultivate the ability to teach. Granted, if you're not called in the pulpit ministry or the 5 full ministry, you may not be able to preach or teach or expound or articulate as someone who has that gifting. But everyone, amen, can learn the scriptures and communicate what God has taught them. Amen, if you have nothing to teach, it means you had not been taught anything. It is desirable, at least to some degree, that young men be able to express truth through written and verbal communication. Again, I qualify that to say, of course, some people are going to be more gifted in their communication skills, whether it be through the written word, whether it be, uh, you know, through the spoken word. We must consider, at the very least, that young men will have a wife and children to teach and to lead in the truth. If they're unable to articulate the truth, amen. this does not bode well for those who will be entrusted under their spiritual care. The wives are what they're supposed to ask their husbands. Well, I don't know. Honey, what does that mean? I don't know. I don't know what it means. Boy, are you going to have a spiritual family. Listen to me. You have an obligation to know the scriptures. Granted, again, I'm not suggesting that you have to be John Fletcher. But you, you, you should be able to articulate and communicate, amen, the things that God has taught you. And you should work at that, young man, amen. This is especially true for those who will be called to lead in the body of Christ. And if you're, if you're a young man here today and you, you believe that you were called to preach, amen, then uh, that's especially true for you. Titus 1 and 9, holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers that is a condition amen for the bishop or a condition for those called to leadership in the body of christ so if you're called to that amen then that's to you mister or young man you know someone was asking me uh, recently about what i thought about uh the recent wednesday night services where the preachers in training preached and I want to be very careful what I say about this because I'm very uh, sensitive in regards to the call of God uh, on a man's life. I've seen people that uh, expressed or demonstrated great gifting uh, almost all all the time, uh, and uh, immediately, and uh, they ended up never even doing anything for Jesus. And I've seen others that um, uh, said they were called of God and. It seemed as if they struggled and, uh, you know, wallowed around or what have you. But then as time passed, amen, the evidence of that gift was manifested and they went on to be a great blessing. So uh, I don't uh, profess to know who's called and who's not called. That's why in this local church that we are doing what we are doing because uh, we're going to give you the opportunity. And through trial and error, so to speak, for those of you who believe you're called to preach, if you, uh, uh, in this uh, very, very, the the shall I, shall I say, the uh, very limited responsibility of having to preach spontaneously occasionally, preach on the street, and occasionally take a service in a church. If that overwhelms you, then you're either backslid, not very spiritual, or not called. That's for you to decide, Amen. Not me. But you know, these young people, I don't expect nearly as much from some of these young people. And though some, uh, I don't want to make a blanket statement, but you know, one of the things that I uh, told uh, a few of the people that I spoke with. You know, overall, I was a bit concerned, to be honest with you, although there was exceptions. uh, Overall, I was a bit concerned. That might be an understatement. Uh, I was a bit troubled or a bit uh, uh, disappointed in what I saw overall. And, uh, you know, I told uh, someone that I spoke to, I said, you know, when someone first gets born again, they can stand up behind a microphone. You can hand it to them, and they can say, <laughs> I love Jesus, and Jesus saved me, and I got washed in the blood. And it's, it can be very edifying, amen, because they're just sincere, and they just pour out their heart, and that can be, you know, very edifying because they're young, and that's where they're at. But... um you know, it's just like if someone invites you over to their house and they pull out a video uh, from times past and they say, "Here, here's our baby learning to walk when they're two years old." Well, that can be kind of edifying, you know, kind of in, you know, all right. Well, let's watch that. That's good. Oh, look, little baby's learning to walk and what have. But I don't want to watch a video. Of your 15 year old trying to learn to walk. That ain't going to be edifying. And see, when you've been saved a while and you get up here and you just try to wing it, you know, just on sincerity and amen and say a few things. Amen. Listen to me. It's not edifying. It's breeding worms is what's happening. And I can tell you what. You need, if you don't have the word of the Lord, the word of the Lord is not just something that's true. The word of the Lord is not just something that's factual. The word of the Lord has authority. That's not just being loud. It's something you cannot mimic. You either have it or you don't. And if you're called to preach, friend, let me tell you something. You're going to have it. And if you don't have it, there's only two explanations. you either not called or you're not, I mean, you're neglecting the gift that God has given you. And I can tell you overall, I, you know, listen to me. It's one of the things that were said, and there was exceptions to that. So don't take this personally unless I told you, amen, something. Uh There was a lot of good things said. There were things that were said that were truth. There were things that were said that could minister to people. But as far as the word of the Lord, amen. You young men, if you're called to preach, it's time to press in. Time to get a hold of God. Time to get jealous for Jesus. Amen. You're called to preach, it's time to get serious about the things of God. It's time to get obsessed with Jesus. It's time to be driven by the Holy It's time to be a man driven to glorify God. It's time to be jealous and zealous for the things of God. Because if you don't have that drive in your spirit and friend, you're never going to fulfill that calling. I was a driven man. So much so that I'd trample anything and everything under my foot. Anything anything that stood in the way of me fulfilling this call right here. I can tell you what. I was jealous to fulfill. I knew, woe be unto me if I preach not this gospel. And some of you men, listen to me. You you say you're called to preach. Don't think you're going to come up here. Now, I'm going to go over here and plant a church. And you've never preached the word of God, the word of the Lord from this pulpit. You won't go nowhere. Amen, that gift is going to be evident. Because if you can't bring it here, friend, believe me, the little response, I'm not trying, amen to be ugly, because I, I love every one of you. I'm not telling any of you you're not called. That's between you and Jesus. But it is my responsibility, amen, to provoke the fear of God in you. And it's not something to dabble in. It's not a hobby. It's not something you do on the side. This is everything. This is all. It must consume you! Or you'll not fulfill anything. And if you're not called and trying to get consumed, you still won't be able to do it. But God will mercifully mercifully reveal that to you. And that doesn't mean that you were any less valuable in the kingdom of God! Because you're still called. Amen. Everyone, every person in here is called. And your calling is not less than my calling. It's just different. Amen? Young men may be able to teach younger siblings. They should be able to teach smaller children. The smaller children in this church should be able to look to these older young men and young women. Instead of learning carnality. Instead of learning little childish Attitudes, envy, jealousy, backbiting. They should see someone who lives holy for Jesus. You think about the young people. Are these young people seeing Jesus in you? Are these young people provoke the younger children provoke young men to follow Jesus, to be sold out to Jesus? You have an obligation and a responsibility. See, the preacher, I know, brother Brent. If you, we, we're going to look to the the preacher, the leadership, the, the Holy Ghost said you're to be an example. No doubt, I'm to be an example too. But you are too. That means, maybe You say, if the preacher doesn't live like Jesus, if the preacher, Amen, doesn't fulfill his call, there's going to be ramifications and implications on the day of judgment. If he's not example to the believers, he's going to stand before God and give an account. So will you. So will you. The primary ingredient, though, in being a good teacher is being a good learner. If a young man doesn't receive instruction in the right spirit, he'll never be able to give it either. Sixthly, he must be sincere and honest. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity and in whose spirit there is. No guile or dishonesty or hypocrisy. Young man, you must show a pattern of truth-telling, especially under pressure. You must show a pattern of truth-telling and truth-loving, even under pressure. You know, the most difficult time to tell the truth is when it costs you something. Amen? Niagara Falls is, where is that, New York, Niagara Falls, is that right? Huh? Okay. It doesn't cost you a minute to say that, right? But if I don't get it right, somebody throws me over Niagara Falls, then, amen, if somebody tells me, "You, you, you lie about it, or it's over the falls, you go, then it becomes more difficult to tell the truth. Does the young man tell the truth even to his own undoing? Psalms 15 and 4. He that sweareth to his own hurt and changeth not. You know, my children are obviously tempted the greatest when they are being confronted with correction. When someone tells on them or it comes to light that they have done something unsavory or unchristlike and they are confronted with that. Did you do this, they have a choice to swear to their own hurt or to change the truth to defend themselves. Whenever you are caught or whenever you are confronted with something, young person, young man, do you try to justify, stretch the truth? Do you uh, not report the facts accurately? Amen. Do you seek to protect yourself? Amen. By somewhat changing or revising the history of what took place? Amen. Then you're not sincere and you're not honest. Does a young man walk with an open heart, concealing nothing? Amen. Does he have a testimony like Nathaniel, Amen. In whom there was no guile. Young men should live with nothing to hide, nothing to prove, nothing to fear, and nothing to lose. Amen? And that's not an encouragement to live recklessly, but it is an exhortation to live righteously. In other words, abandoning oneself to God and cultivating a clean conscience. And I can tell you something, when you're really right with God, and really born, you see, I remember as a sinner, I lied so much that I believed my own lies. I mean, I lying and then it would take a couple of days. I was lying through my teeth. I told stories that I convinced myself that I was part of, and then it was a total fabrication. When I got born again, I remember, you know, uh, re- recounting stories that I had told as a sinner that were complete fabrications that I convinced, or took, I had to think about it, I really didn't even do that. And I would tell it, and then the Spirit of God would convict me. Say, that's a lie. I can't believe I even said that. If you're really right with God, let me tell you something, young person. If you find yourself lying and you don't even realize you're lying, it takes you a few days or a few months. It takes maybe your parent pointing out how much you lie. Then you probably are right with God. Your conversion is so shallow. See, the spirit of truth, if you have the spirit of truth, then you're going to tell the truth. And if you do tell a lie, you are going to be instantly smitten. And you're going to be willing to speak the truth and clear yourself. It's more important for you to have a clear conscience, amen? It's more important for you to have a clear conscience than to suffer the ramifications and the shame of admitting your guilt. If you're not a truth seeker and a truth teller and a truth lover, how can you really be a man and grow up in the things of God? Who can trust a liar? Psalms 55 and 23 says, A deceitful man will not live out half of his days. Amen. That's a warning for every liar. Not just hellfire for those who lie. Amen. But it's going to be a short-lived life for someone who doesn't tell the truth. You know, the truth is important. And you know, listen to me, young people, you need to take inventory of your life. If you find yourself particularly under pressure, when and for your experience in your home under the authority of your parents, that pressure usually comes when someone has told your parents you've done something that they're going to confront you for, or they see something and they say, did you do this? And you say, no, I didn't do that, when you did do it, or you revise the history of it. Listen to me, you're a liar. And if you're doing it unconsciously, and you find out in the next hour or the next few moments or whenever it may be, if you really take inventory and say, you know, that really wasn't perfectly accurate. this You got trouble, friend. You better get that right. You better grow up in the things of God. You better embrace a heart that loves the truth and loves to tell the truth because you can become listen to me what lies are deceit and you're going to reap what you sow and if you're a deceiver then friend listen to me the deception that you'll be under you won't know north from south east from west up from that darkness from light and truth from the lie you'll be so deceived seventh he must be accountable Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Of course, there's no greater testing ground for this principle than his relationship with his parents. Being accountable, I'm speaking of. Proverbs 20 and 11, we know, says, Even a child is known by his doings, whether his word be pure and whether it be right. You know, recently, Bridget and I have really discussed, and we've had experiences and discussions with other parents who we have, you know, found out the intimate details of their courtships with their children, with the individual they married. And in these situations, they were less than uh, perfect courtships, though maybe nobody else knew about it. In every situation, the parent overlooked some Minute thing and the prospective bride or groom that eventually became a very big problem. <laughs> and you know why that is? You see, that testogram was at home. And you see, I heard a story just recently, I thought. And I told my young man, I said, Let me tell you something. I got daughters. And when that when 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 you go and you uh try to uh, or you or you and I pray about a young lady to minister to her. and that man comes to me amen when he, when it gets down, down to the nitty-gritty don't think for one moment I'm not going to tell him your shortcomings I'm not going to hide them amen because listen to me I'm going to give an account and that's somebody's daughter, and somebody come from my daughter, amen, and I talk to that father, I wanna know, what, where, where's this young man at? Don't just, you know, whitewash it! If you can't gain the victory before your parents, amen, if you can't live spiritual in your household, you're not ready to leave! Again, that's not just gonna happen one day. And this is the thing that we're seeing, I mean, I, <laughs> We're seeing this more and more as we talk to people who are older than us, who've had children. And, you know, again, we, it's, it's our own children. We want to think the best. And I, I think we should, of course, think the best for our children and hope and pray and believe. But listen to me. If there is a glaring character weakness. Listen to me. It's not just going to go away. It needs to be dealt with in that home. Your child has attitudes. Can't get the victory. Things that they may, you know, tighten up before they come through the door here. But you see it? Friend, don't you be deceived. You better sink the sword down to the hilt and twist it. And you better deal with that spirit. And you better deal with that heart if you love that child. A young man who shows a pattern of disobedience, a pattern of dishonor to his parents, Not only reveals that he's unconverted, but will face great difficulties in every future relationship. Well, he never did get along with mom and dad. Well, he ain't going to get along with nobody else. Amen. Well, are we just he didn't get along with me, but I'm hoping he'll get along with her. Unfortunately, it's rare to meet young men today who are properly submitted to godly authority. You're never ready to lead unless you have been led. That's why you ought to test a young person. Sometimes it ought to be hard to submit to you. Somebody. Sometimes you ought to just maybe be a little more difficult than you are. That'd be a good thing, maybe, if your wife and your children thought you were a difficult individual. Amen. Test them. See whether they can come under. Because I can tell you one thing. You know, until you someone's cross, you don't know whether they're going to submit or not. And and again, I don't think if you're really led by the Holy Spirit, you don't have to come up with anything because God will come up with something. Amen. God's going to come up with something. But you know, when they're, when they're caught in that, you know, don't soften the blow. Hold your ground. That's what I said. That's the way it's going to be. Or else. Because if they're not willing to be led, and that daughter that won't submit, the daughter that won't submit to his parents, wife, won't submit to the mother, won't submit, they're not going to submit to their husband. That young girl that will talk back to, to their father and their mother. They're a rebel. They're not going to submit to a man. Don't do that to a young man. i tell you what I heard recently of a man. The young, the young boy that was seeking his daughter's hand in marriage. He said, he asked me a thousand questions. I thought, praise God. He said, "I don't know. I don't know how he asked me so many questions. I didn't think he'd come up with that many questions." I said, "I hope the young man that comes for Grace's hand is going to say that about me." Amen. I'm going to ask a lot of questions. Amen. I'm gonna I'm... Me and him are going to have a little powwow, eyeball to eyeball. Amen. I'm going to find out some things about him. And I don't listen to me. Any of you that got daughter, I would too. Even if it was my children. Discipleship requires mentoring and instruction by those older in the faith. Every Timothy needs a Paul. True spiritual maturity demands discipleship, but discipleship demands genuine accountability. And you know, you've heard me say before, you know you're submitted when you really make covenant with God. And listen to me, if you're a child here, your parents, amen, that's the end of it. You say, God, you put those parents over me, amen, and I'm submitted. You know you're submitted to them when they say, son, daughter, this ain't God. Amen, it will stop you in your tracks. You'll fear God. If you don't have a person like that in your life, you're not submitted to nobody. You're not submitted to Jesus either. Number eight, he must make sound decisions. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. You know, when you understand what the will of the Lord is, you make good decisions. When you don't understand the will of God, you make a real bad decision. Young men maturing into biblical manhood will shun childish decision-making and move into wise, spirit-led thinking. Children, of course, are under the strict oversight and wise decision-making of their parents for a reason. Amen? I don't think Luke, if you just put him out here in the Homachita National Forest, just put him a mile up in the woods. If I took Brother Bob and put him a mile up in the Homosexual National Forest, how many of you think he'd survive? Everybody. If I put brother Charlie, brother Jerry, if I put most of these young men a mile, just a mile up in the home of National Park, most of them wouldn't make it. But you take one of these babies here and put them up there. They ain't gonna make it. Even some of these very young children, they'd never make it. Cause they're not mature enough to make the proper decisions. Amen. So under the care and the protection of pret- parental authority, there is a spiritual learning curve. And God designed it that way, amen? But once you are out of the house, in other words, once you are married, once you are on your own, amen, there's no more learning curve. Those who are under your spiritual care are going to have to lie in the bed that you made, amen, by your decisions, amen? So see, that's why, as long as you're at the home, as long as you're at the house, parents should be training their children amen to make proper decisions. As young men grow and are allowed to make more and more independent decisions, they should demonstrate responsibility. And, you know, as a young man grows, and I think his parents, of course, it's natural just to allow them. Okay, whereas when they were 10, no, you're doing this. Now they're 18. What are you going to choose to do? You have option A, B, and C. All of those, not necessarily, of course, of violating the scriptures, but we're going to allow you to choose what you're going to do. How are you going to spend that extra money? What job are you going to choose? How are you going to utilize your free time, et cetera, and so forth? And parents, as we see these young men growing older, we should see them as they make these independent decisions. If you see a young man making, you know, foolish decisions all the time, where he does have liberty, where he does have the, uh, you know, the the freedom to make a decision, and he makes a bad decision, when he gets out there, that's what decision he's going to make. So, young people, young men, you should be making sound decisions. Children often choose what they want, while adults, if they're truly submitted to God, choose what they need. Children, if given a choice, usually choose what makes them happy. Isn't that true? When I mean, you take any of my children, I mean the ones who claim they're you know when they're six, you know, choose between this and this. Here's an apple and a chocolate sundae. Chocolate sundae, ninety-nine, no, hundred out of a hundred times. Amen. Choose it. Do your schoolwork or play outside on the slide slide 100 times out of a 100. They have to be made to do it. but you don't want to see that 18- year- old choosing that. No no, you don't want to see these young men young men when you're 14, 15, 16. You've got to move away from that. You've got to deny yourself. You've got to choose the right thing. Number nine, he must be clothed with humility. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Haughty young men think that they know better than their elders. But spiritual young men realize they know very little. You know, I was once a haughty young man, I was a rebel. But I was a sinner. And, of course, I thought I was way, way smarter than my father. We've all heard that. You know, as I grew older, my dad, he, I don't know, he just got smarter and smarter. But, you know, you have been taught all your life to respect your mother and father. There is no excuse for you to dishonor your parents. Some of you, listen to me, you ought to fall on the floor even now. And cry to God. It's the mercy of God. He hasn't killed you. For the things you've said to your mother and father. God doesn't like it. Honor your father and your mother. That's a 10 commandments. That's part of the commandments. It's not that big a deal. Like killing, murder like adultery, like a bank robber. You believe that murderer out there? You believe that child molester? You believe the wrath of God's on him? You think God's angry with him? You think that child molester, that baby killer out there, amen, that is a a serial murderer that's traveling around and seeking to destroy someone's life, if you could speak to him, young person, wouldn't you think, you know, God might just kill you? Saved. You might not live till sunlight. Some of you are serial commandment breakers, and then you dishonor your parents all the time. You should be clothed with humility. If any man thinks that he knoweth anything, he knoweth nothing, yet as he ought to know. The young man must be willing to admit. That he still has much to learn. And if that is true to the posture of his heart, then he's not going to be bickering and arguing with his elders. Job 12, 12-13, With the ancient is wisdom, and in length of days, understanding. That is the truth. Amen. Now I realize every old person, amen, doesn't have wisdom if they're unholy, but particularly and especially if your parents are Christians. He must realize that the pattern is for him to hold his tongue in the presence of age and experience. Job 32, 6-8, I am young and ye are very old, wherefore I was afraid and durst not show you mine opinion. I said days should speak and multitude of years should teach wisdom. Obviously a spiritual young man realizes all true wisdom comes where? From God. But that doesn't mean they're going to dishonor the elder. Humility or the lack thereof will never be more evident than when young men are being corrected by their parents or their elders. If a young man cannot take correction from his elders, it reveals a haughty spirit. That's an absolute. That's an absolute. If you can't take correction with absolute humility... Even if you're wrong. Amen. Jesus Amen, suffered the wrong. And it tells us when we're buffeted for our faults to take it patiently. And that's acceptable with God. So whenever your elders correct you for something. And you don't take it with a patient spirit of humility. It proves you're haughty. And you're really childish. Amen. And if you're going to grow up, you're going to have to learn how to take correction and be clothed with humility. Again, amen. The, uh, the suit that I put on, this uh, it just climb out of its closet and you know, the, uh, fall on top of me. I had to put it on, and that's the same. You're going to have to choose to put humility on. You're going to have to choose to clothe yourself with humility. And number 10, he must not be quarrelsome, Second Timothy 2 and 16, but shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase and more in godliness. Young men desiring to mature to manhood must put away their childish, contentious spirit. Titus 3 and 9, but avoid foolish questions and genealogies and contentions and strivings about the law for they are unprofitable and vain. And that's even about the law, much less about, you know, John Deere Kubota. What brand of oil we use or a thousand other things that people get in an argument about. Some people love to argue. They love to contend, but not for the faith. They almost enjoy disagreement and love debating with others. Of course, and listen to me. We are called to contend for the faith. Amen. There there is no i I'm not talking about contending for the faith. If you're contending for the faith and someone is resisting the truth, they're the debater, not you. You're a contender. God's always with the contender, amen. But you know, if you ever get in an argument over I've told the story so many times when Sonny and I got in that argument over cuts of New York New York strip or a ribeye. We were both so smitten. We we knew we were just so, it was sickening to get in an argument over anything. I mean, as Christians and young men, you got to put that away. That's what, especially for men, because men always know how to do everything their way. You get too me it doesn't matter what it is. We're gonna put up a door, we're gonna take down a door. We're gonna raise a window, lower a We're gonna cut the grass, we're gonna weedy. We're gonna, we're gonna change the oil, we're not gonna change the oil. What oil we're gonna use to put in the car when we change it. And what, we're gonna paint, anything you do. They know how to do it most of the time, and they know how to do it their way. I'm gonna tell you, if you're spiritual, now, again, when my household does something, we can do it my way. Unless, of course, there's some reason why I shouldn't do it my way. You understand? But believe me, friend, you can put me with somebody. I've worked with people before. I've been with people, I mean, who were difficult. And I can just empty, I can choose to empty myself and just do it their way. Amen. Especially if we don't have anything to do with Jesus. What difference does it make to me? If you can't do that, you're carnal. Now, again, there may be times, you're, you know, my wife's not going to tell me you need to be more spiritual and do it my way. That's not what I'm talking about. Amen? No, no, that doesn't mean the children say, well, Daddy, since you you be more spiritual, you let me tell you how we're going to do it. That's not, what. that's not, that's the wrong, that's backwards. You're hearing this wrong. Amen? Amen. Young men, amen, don't need to be quarrelsome. There is a time and place for passionately confronting ideas and notions, especially concerning the faith. However, to bicker about non-essentials, especially natural incidentals that are purely subjective, is nothing but rank, Christ-crucifying carnality. You lose the victory because somebody don't do it your way. You are as carnal as a cinder block. Amen. Let's stand. We're going to take this up. We're going to switch gears on Sunday morning. Talk to the young ladies. We don't have ten rules for you, eh, Amen. We got a lot more than that. <laughs> are you raising fair maidens? Or are you raising silly women? That's what we'll talk about in a second. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you, Lord, for your truth. Touch these young men, Father. I pray that the word of God is spoken to them tonight will compel, will draw them to Jesus. They will see their need, Father God. I pray, Lord, as parents, deal with us, Lord. You know our children. You know where their needs. You know, Lord, in our parenting, Lord, where we haven't been the example that we need to be or an area we need to shore up in, places where we need to show courage, where we need to be more gracious or more stern. Teach us as parents, Lord, to be the example. To take the oversight as we should. I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Draw these young men to you, Father. I pray, Lord, compel them to seek your face. I pray for revival among these young people, Father. Amongst these young men, Lord. That they would take their responsibility and their calling to be an example to the believers, Father. They would take that charge to heart. We ask it in Jesus' name. Why don't you come in these altars? Here tonight, pray about what you've heard.